everybody. Welcome to Two Minutes and Beyond, the podcast where we review the Toy Story movies two minutes at a time. I'm Bianca and this is Macy. Hello. In this episode, we're going to be talking about minutes five and six of Toy Story. Yes, we are. How how have you been in the 30 minutes since we finished recording our last episode? <laughs> I've been doing fantastic. I had some cherry ice cream, which I oh. thought I was going to like, but it tasted like NyQuil. Like I was just eating frozen NyQuil, so I'm never going to eat that again. <laughs> <laughs> I had some leftover birthday cake, so that was pretty good. Ooh, that sounds great. Yeah, we're we're recording two episodes today, so we just took a a 30-minute break, and now we're recording our second episode of the day. Yay! Should we just jump into the movie? I think so. So, to start off with, Andy finishes picking up Molly. She's no longer suspended in, in the air. We hear him finish what he was saying at the end of the last clip. He says, Molly, you're getting heavy. See you later, Woody. And I just, I love that Andy talks to Woody like he's alive. (laughs) It's adorable. I think if I was a toy, I would ruin it because if someone said bye to me, I would have been like, bye. All just coming to life saying goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I would have scared my kid by now. After that, it cuts to Woody slumped over on Andy's bed, and the words, directed by John Lasseter, appear on the screen. So, I guess we we gave our John Lasseter disclaimer in the first episode, but it doesn't help. Or, it doesn't hurt. It does help to mention, <laughs> <laughs> to mention it again, that, of course, we're, we're aware of all the controversies and, and what he did and if if you'd like to know more about it you can find out more about it on google and uh we just want to say that again that we're fans of his work and not necessarily fans of him but uh i guess just to list off some of his credits he was one of the founding members of pixar he directed <laughs> toy story a Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, um, Cars. Were there any after that? Oh, Cars 2. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think there were any after that. Right. I think that was it. I just love the detail that they put like into like the stitching on Andy's bedspread. Yes, I like that too. Like you can you can actually like see all of the stitches as it's like zooming into Woody. Mm -hmm. Like it's an actual quilt instead of it just being okay. So I know this is later in the movie, but what you're going to (laughs) say when buzz is in Hannah's room (laughs) and you see her bed sheets, they look like tissue paper. (laughs) They look so low poly and it's just, it makes me mad because you see Andy's bed and it looks like an actual quilt. Mm-hmm. And then you see hers and it's like the team was like, nah, she's not even like an actual character in the movie. We'll just give her whatever sheets. Yeah, it looks like those fancy like 
decorative, um, like paper tablecloths. Yes, that's that exactly what it looks like. A wedding or something like that, like a wedding reception. Yes. That's what it looks like. Like Sid's family's so poor that they have to use dollar store paper <laughs> tablecloths to cover themselves when they sleep. <laughs> yeah, that I noticed that a while back and it always bugs me now. I mean I guess I guess you know that that bed sheet is only in like one scene versus Andy's bed, which is in the movie quite a bit, so they probably just didn't feel like they needed to put as much detail into it. Right, and it's not something, like, we don't spend too much time looking at her bed. It's just a background prop. It's not Mm -hmm. necessarily, like, integral to the scene, but at the same time, it's right there, and you're like, I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. So, four seconds into this clip, the camera pulls in, you hear the door shut, and then the magic moment happens. Finally. Yes, Woody blinks, he looks over at the door, and then he sits up and says, Pull my string, the birthday party's today. I really think it would have been funny. I mean, this, I would have been mad if they put this in the movie, but what if. Andy just closed the door and you see Woody look over, but Andy is still there. And he's just like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) That would be funny. (laughs) So do you want to talk about Tom Hanks for a minute? Because this is the, other than his pull string stuff, this is the first time we hear him. Yes, I love Tom Hanks so much. I can talk about him quite a bit. (laughs) Not that I know trivia, I just really like him. (laughs) He is pretty great. He's mainly known as an actor, but also as a producer, director, and a screenwriter. He is known for his roles on, this is a long list, (laughs) Bulls and Buddies, Splash, The Money Pit, Big, The Burbs, Turner and Hooch, Joe vs. the Volcano, League of Their Own, Sleepless in Seattle, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, Saving Private Ryan, You've Got Mail, The Green Mile, Cast Away, The Polar Express, Captain Phillips, Saving Mr. Banks, Sully, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and like three million more. (laughs) And according to the book, Toy Story, The Art and Making of the Animated Feature, on page 28, it says... As Woody's look became more concrete, the Toy Story team sought Tom Hanks for the character's voice. Hanks's comic gifts brought an added dimension to the character, particularly when it came to expressing Woody's sarcastic personality. The casting also helped put across the concept of Andy's bedroom as a stable of wisecracking, decidedly unchildlike personalities with Woody with Woody the governing MC, explains Joss Whedon, Tom Hanks is a persona he brings with him. You know you're going to like him. You know that his values will end up being good. So even if he seems harsh, there's a point to it. On page 36, there's a quote from John Lasseter where he says, Tom Hanks has the ability to make all kinds of emotions appealing. Even when he's yelling at somebody, he's likable. That was crucial because Woody behaves pretty badly when he's not head toy anymore. And uh, the the animator, Glenn McQueen, uh, said, getting a line reading from Tom Hanks is like getting a 
this big, incredibly wet sponge. It's overflowing with different possibilities for you to wring out. I really love Tom Hanks when he is like emotionally getting ready to yell. <laughs> it just may, I don't know, just when he's like in like an angry tone or like a screaming tone, it always makes me laugh because it's like, it's not over the top, but he's just got like a certain tone in his voice that makes me laugh whenever he's yelling. <laughs> yeah, I think a great movie that has a lot of that is Turner and Hooch, which yes. I love that movie. That is a fun movie. <laughs> That's really good. It's got a lot of him yelling. In fact, they used a line from it as like a a, a test animation to show to him to convince him to be in the movie. Yes, I remember that. That was Don't pretty the car. smart of them to do that. <laughs> Don't eat the car. That was so fun. Like just seeing very primitive Woody yelling with Tom Hanks' voice. Like getting down car. on his knees. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this little bug, I don't even remember what it looks like. Like the little bug thing is in just sitting there quietly in the car. <laughs> yes, that's my favorite. I, I want to say when I first saw that, I watched it about five or six times because I just <laughs> loved it so much. <laughs> yeah, and um, a long time ago, I was listening to... It was a podcast interview with Tom Hanks's brother, Jim Hanks. Mm-hmm. The guy, well, he's a voice actor and he does all of the basically anything Woody that's not that's not like any of the movies or shorts, so like video games and toys and stuff. Right. And he says that when he goes out for roles or like does auditions and stuff, he knows that like if the if the director or or whoever it is starts like asking him to be like more energetic or like louder, he knows that they just want they just want Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> that's too funny. I guess that's kind of sad for him too. Like he's trying to do his own thing, and everyone's like, no, we actually want your brother. <laughs> <laughs> but I love I love Woody's first line though. It's like so it's it's so just old fashioned and it's just very woody. It is. Mm-hmm. It sounds like something that would come out of like Woody's Roundup or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the audio commentary they they talked about how like Woody's first line like went through like tons and tons of different ideas and and revisions like literally pages and pages of different lines before they settled on that one because like the what is your main character's first line is a big deal this is true i would not want him to be just like geez louise or something (laughs) like that (laughs) oh my gosh omg it's the birthday party is today (laughs) exactly i need it to sound like him and they chose a really good you know phrase for him to say because it's you know very accurate because he is a pull string doll and then it's just like like an exclamation that he would say like that's just something that sounds like it's genuine you know Mm -hmm. yeah so Woody taps his chin a little bit he kind of looks like he's had an idea 
He puts his legs over the side of the bed and says, okay, everybody, coast is clear. And then the camera pans down to the floor of the room. Andy's closet door opens and RC, the remote control car, peeks through. Lenny jumps off a shelf and Mr. Shark pops up inside the toy box. I love Mr. Shark. He's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> like, seriously, though, that's what I I have in my notes written. Mr. Shark is the best character in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish they made a little bit more screen time for him because I just love that squeaky shark so much. Mm-hmm. But I like how RC just, like, kind of peeks through the door and looks around. <laughs> RC is cute. I used to have an RC. He was a like an actual remote control, and it had like oh. battery operated little um, controller. Yeah. So I was, you know, the little child that I was, and like ramming them into people's legs. But that was like <laughs> the funnest toy I had when I was little. <laughs> I didn't have one, but I have this little this little Hot Wheels one. Oh, he's so cute. He's tiny. He's adorable. Yeah, he's he's really small. I like him. As Lenny was like jumping off the shelf, all I could think of was like Lenny looks like Lenny looks like some kind of like plastic toy binoculars that you would get in like a kid's meal or something. He does. He kind of reminds me of the ones that um, it was supposed to be like the the Viewmasters where you'd get mm. the little toy. You look in there and it's got like three or four little um, preloaded images. Yeah. He's also like, why does he have feet? Like, why does a binocular, a pair of binoculars need feet? <laughs> I know. And then I'm thinking, like, maybe he's just, like, a fun little wind-up toy. But he's too big to be a fun little wind-up toy. That would be, like, but doesn't a... he wind up, though? Does he wind or am up? I... I think he does. I think he I has mean... a little wind. I have to... Let me, let I don't me pay look. attention to these things. Let me see if I can... I can't see if it if he does have a wind up thing. I can't see it in this clip. Okay, but yeah, he just looks like a little plastic, like um, like something something from from a kid's meal. <laughs> <laughs> I also notice um, like there's some puzzle pieces on the floor around him in that shot, and the, and you can see there's. It must be like some kind of jungle puzzle or something because there's like a giraffe pattern and like mm -hmm. a, a little bit of a, a zebra or they something. Do, yeah, they've got like little. And there's like green, it looks like green foliage in some of them. Yes. I kind of want to see what that puzzle looks like done. Like I'm, I'm dumb like that. I just want to see what the puzzle looks like complete. <laughs> Which if it is in a jungle, then it's a, then it's a scientifically inaccurate puzzle this is true giraffe and zebra in the jungle i mean it's kind of hard to tell if it's in a jungle but it's like you can see kind of like a green background in some of them right yeah so because i'm like this i looked up a picture of lenny and he is <laughs> a little wind-up toy <laughs> oh okay it's on his uh that side of him doesn't show up in this in this clip in really. the beginning yeah no he's a little wind-up toy oh he's so cute i love lenny 
I I thought he was. I was just I was like doubting myself though. <laughs> that makes me think even more that he is like some like a, a happy meal toy or something. He probably is. Cause like he's got a little it looks like a little dial on the top that you that would normally be like the kind of dial that you use to adjust the focus of the binoculars, but it it looks like it's it's just molded to look to look like a dial and it right. doesn't it's just it, a it doesn't look like decoration. it would actually move. Right. That's probably all it is, because if he's just a wind up toy, but then does it does Woody they use like him. adjust it when he uses him? I don't think they adjust it. But then if he's just like a little Happy Meal toy, how are they using him to look like actual binoculars? Well, I mean, I'd imagine there's like some kind of, you know, like magnifying, maybe not magnifying glass, but like I feel like even like the toy binoculars like that that I had as a kid, like worked to some degree. Hmm. Am I looking too much into this? <laughs> I mean, speaking of binoculars, I'm not sure the binocular logic in this movie always makes sense because later Sarge looks through his plastic binoculars somehow, even though there's there's no there's no uh, glass. It's just solid plastic. Yeah. <laughs> so the binocular logic in this movie may not be a hundred percent accurate <laughs> mm-hmm. so at 27 seconds mr potato head sits up and says and just three end up it's on my box ages three and up i'm not supposed to be babysitting princess drool he honestly <laughs> always gets the short straw he's always in a predicament where, I mean, he is the literal comic relief, mm-hmm. even though it probably wasn't supposed to be intended to be that way in the beginning, but they always use him as the comedic relief. Behind Potato Head, you can see Andy's cardboard box that um, that he's drawn his general spelled with an I <laughs> store onto. And I, I saw that, like, in the window of the store, that he drew, like, a little sign that says sale. Which is I such like a funny that. little detail. <laughs> would you like to hear some history about Mr. Potato Head? Oh, I would love to. So, the toy Mr. Potato Head was invented by a man named George Lerner in 1949 and manufactured by Hasbro in 1952 and it was actually the first toy advertised on television ever Hmm. originally mr potato head was sold as plastic parts that had push pins to attach them to real vegetables this is all coming from the mr potato head page on wikipedia by the way Mrs. Potato Head was released in 1953, along with the characters Brother Spud and Sister Yam coming out soon after, along with accessories like a car, a boat trailer, a kitchen set, stroller, and pets, which I didn't know that there were, uh, uh, on top of Mrs. Potato Head, I didn't know that there was a brother and sister character at one point. I know, I didn't know there was a whole family. 
they must have gotten rid of them at some point, along with like a lot of those accessories. Yeah, it sounds like it was not like a like a huge selling point. It probably started like the popularity of Mr. Potato Head probably started going down at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, in the early '60s, Hasbro began including a plastic body with all their potato heads because of government regulations requiring the parts to be less sharp, children choking on the pieces, and the fact that the vegetables would eventually rot. It says also in the early 60s, other characters were introduced, including Oscar the Orange, Pete the Pepper, Katie the Carrot, Cookie the Cucumber, Mr. Soda Pop Head, and Frankie Frank, which were all eventually discontinued. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of any of those. <laughs> I want to see Mr. Soda Pop Head. Me too. I'm going to look that up so we can see. I'll keep talking while you look it up. Okay. So as far as the actual character, on page 16 of uh, the art and animate and yeah, the art and making of the animated feature, the book. The key to defining, and this is not this is not just about Mr. Potato Head, but it it's about uh, it's actually about a bunch of the characters. But Mr. Potato Head is is the first one they mention here, and I thought this would be a good place to to mention this. Page sixteen, it says the key to defining each of the toys' personalities, says Lasseter, was to try always to derive their traits from the realities of their construction respecting what he calls the physical integrity of the object. Mr. Potato Head is a natural malcontent, explains Lassiter. You'd have a chip on your shoulder, too, if you if your face kept falling off all day. By the same extrapolative thinking, Porcelain Bo Peep becomes a delicate flirt. She has to move carefully or she'll break. Cheap plastic Rex doesn't thunder around like a living tyrannosaur from Jurassic Park. He's stiff and tentative and unsure of himself because his construction makes him limited in what he can do. Cam the piggy bank sits on a shelf all day above the other toys and think he's a, thinks he's a pretty superior fellow, always sure his two cents matter. And wobbly, slow-footed Slinky can't move under his own power nearly as easily as when he's pulled along, so he's happy happy to follow Woody, the leader. Finding all the toys in a somewhat contentious sense of community is their common purpose in life, to be played with. Every man-made object is manufactured for a reason, and the reason for being is to make children happy, says Lassiter. Anything that inf- interferes with that is upsetting to, to them. <laughs> That's really interesting to think of, like, how they chose all of their characters based on, like, what materials they're made out of, or, like you know, how they would be played with. I never thought of that. Like mm-hmm. the way Rex is stiff and he's like plasticky, so he can't really move around too much. So that would make him insecure. Like I'm just a plastic dinosaur. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting how it says that like anything that interferes with um, them being able to make children happy is unsettling to them. Because I feel like, um, I I feel like, sort of almost the purpose of the the, or like one of the things that like the later movies do is is like put that to the test, 
especially in the fourth one. Yes, for sure. That is like is it, a recurring theme of the Toy Story films. Mm-hmm. And um, like kind of what the fourth one deals with is. Is it enough to not just make one specific kid happy, but to make. um, But to make any other kids happy. Right. Like children in general, as mm-hmm. opposed to just being played with by one child or, you know, like the way Woody was, he had Andy for a long time, but then he moved over to Bonnie and Bonnie doesn't treat him the same way as Andy did. So it's different when going from child to child. Yeah. And like Bo, Bo had, Bo learned like long before Woody did that, like there was, fulfillment and that it was enough to make any kid happy not just like some not just one specific kid and then like what Woody's dealing with in the fourth movie is deciding that for himself right which is really like I I like that ending personally just because it feels like full closure Yes. And not to change the subject, but I found the Mr. Soda Pop head along with a few others. Oh. And they're drawn in 60s fashion. There's Mr. Potato Head. There's Mr. Soda Pop Head and Mr. Oh, French no. Fry. <laughs> Mr. Mustard Head. And here's Frankie those, Frank. Mr. Ketchup Head. Those kind of look like. Willy Burger. Willy Burger. Willy Burger. <laughs> That's that's so funny. Those look like they may still be they may have still been like the um kind where you have to put the plastic stuff onto onto like the actual object. Right, that's what it looks like. And I'm wondering, oh look, here's actual pieces. Like the plastic bodies. So there's the plastic Mr. Soda Pop. Oh. Plastic French fries and oh, potatoes. Okay. And a bunch of pieces. That's really interesting. Wow. That's I'll pretty cool. Find, I'll find those pictures and I'll I'll put links to them in in the show notes so everybody can see them. Oh yeah, so everyone can see this crazy little thing that I'm looking at. <laughs> Oh my gosh, look, there they are. They're little, like, funky little dudes. Those are so weird, but they're also kind of cute. I know. I like that they're just... They they kind of... They kind of remind me of, like, some of the old McDonald's characters, like, uh, the ones with the really big heads. Yes. Mayor McCheese or whatever his name was. Yes, that's what it reminds me of too. Or cheeseburger head. Mm-hmm. That's really cute that they made that though. If I would, if I ever saw these like at a flea market or something, I'd probably get it just for the nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. Or just for, just for the the toy, it, its place in toy history, I guess. Yes, and just display it somewhere, probably in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. So I've got another 
quote about Potato Head from that same book. On page 103, it says, Ever sarcastic and always ready to think the worst of people, Mr. Potato Head is not the most popular of Andy's playthings. He'd really like to be in Woody's spot, but Andy doesn't love him as much. That makes him a little jealous, says Ralph Guggenheim. The other toys give him a wide berth, except for Ham, who probably only befriends him because it makes him feel superior. Potato Head's <laughs> not the brightest guy, says Jason Katz. If you look at his side of the battleship game with Ham, he's managed to outline Ham's ships without hitting any. Then when he loses, he says, are you peeking? He's always blaming somebody else for his problems. <laughs> <laughs> This poor guy can't catch a break. That's why he's so angry. <laughs> <laughs> and then in that same section of the book, it talks about how John Lasseter like went to to pitch uh, to ask him to do Toy Story. John Lasseter went to Don Rickles' house, and they actually brought a Mister Potato Head doll. And he, John Lasseter, like accidentally knocked the hat off of his head. And then everyone laughed because with, like, Potato Head's bald head, he looked similar to Don Rickles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head. He just did a really good job. And he was, he's, like, the perfect amount of sass. <laughs> he's so funny. Speaking of Don Rickles... He was a comedian and actor known mostly for his insult comedy and celebrity roasts. He was in a lot of movies. I don't recognize any of them. <laughs> so I wasn't sure which ones would be important enough to list. <laughs> he made appearances on The Twilight Zone, The Addams Family, The Andy Griffith Show, The Bob Hope Show, Gilligan's Island, The Mike Douglas Show. I Dream of Genie, Hollywood Squares, and many, many more. And he unfortunately passed away in 2017 at the age of 90, which he was, he lived a long time. That's a pretty good age. That's not like these people that tragically die like in their 60s or 70s. Like mm -hmm. he actually lived a full life. Yeah. He lived a very long life. So at. 33 seconds, R.C. drives out of the closet. It cuts to a shot of about half of Andy's room, where most of the toys are walking around. Bo is kind of brushing herself off under the desk. And on the desk, the, the pink stuffed bear is stretching in the duck. It looked like the duck was, like, swimming around, but it was, like, on top of paper. <laughs> it's just, like... It's just zooming around in a circle on top of this paper on the desk. And it you doesn't know, I have legs, attention so to that deck walking. until you pointed it out. I'm like, he is. <laughs> he's just, he's somehow, he doesn't have legs, so he's definitely not walking, but he's just like, he's, he's just, I don't so, know. He's what swimming. He's, doing he's swimming on around. On top of paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little unsettling. So the robot holds the snake back to keep him from getting hit by RC. R RC rides past the little tykes as they push their fire truck upright and start to ride around on it. At uh, 43 seconds, Ham flips a coin into a slot. Potato Head comes up to him as the little 
Tyke's fire truck goes past with its siren on and says, Hey, Ham, look. And then he turns around to reveal his pieces are all in completely impossible spots and says, I'm Picasso. And Ham says, Eh, I don't get it. <laughs> I love that he calls him an uncultured swine as Ham yes. walks away. <laughs> yes. I, I also. I also like that just his, I mean, his spots when they're in like the Picasso or his face, his facial features when they're in like the Picasso uh, position. Look, yeah. They're, they're completely in spaces where they, it's impossible. There shouldn't be a hole. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. And I thought about that and it's kept me up at night. Cause I'm like, where did these extra little peg holes come from? <laughs> and another thing in the beginning, when he's putting his pieces back on and getting mad that his box says it's three and up one of his eyes is over here. And then his eyebrow is detached over here. And I'm thinking to myself, why oh. is his eyebrow detached? I noticed that when I was watching the clip and thought to myself, <laughs> that shouldn't be his eyebrow needs to be on his eye. I mean, I guess, though, when he takes off his eyes, like, to hold them up, isn't, there's no eyebrows on top of them, is there? Oh, I don't think so. Unless it's just, like, because I have seen some that are, like, the clips, where you kind of just clip them on to the eye peg and then stick the eye in. Or it's kind of like eyelashes or something. So maybe it's yeah. like that, but it doesn't have the little thing to stick on the peg. So I'm thinking to myself, why did they detach his eyebrow? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure how that how that works. It's the little things That's that bother weird. me. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that like before before Potato Head comes up. Ham is just standing by, standing there by himself. Like his little hooves are like tapping on the, on the ground. Oh yeah, his little like he's just kind of there, just chilling, yeah. tapping his toes. He's really cute. Yeah, I love that little detail. <laughs> Let's talk about Ham. So Ham is one of my most favorite characters. He's just a sassy pig, and I love him <laughs> for that. You know, I saw a little ham piggy bank at Target the other day that was like $10 and I almost got it and then I decided not to. Oh my goodness. I'm going to give you, I'm going to send you $10 <laughs> so you can go buy that for me. <laughs> I love ham. He's just, I don't know. There's something about a sassy little pig that's so great. And then just John Ratzenberger. He's one of my favorite mm -hmm. actors just because of the way he is and he just fits the sassy pig role so well would you like to know about the history of piggy banks i would I've, I've got a little bit of information because piggy so, banks are kind of like my hobby <laughs> <laughs> so the oldest known use of money boxes with like some kind of slot to put coins in is in it was from the second century BC, uh, and it was found in the Greek colony 
Prien, I think that's how you pronounce it, in Asia Minor, and it's in the shape of a like a ancient Greek temple, and then it's got like a little slot on the top. Mm, that's cute. And well, this is all from Wikipedia, by the way. It says there are a number of folk uh, etymologies regarding the English language term piggy bank. But in fact, there is no clear origin for the phrase, which dates only to the 1940s. It is believed that the popularity of the Western piggy banks originates in Germany, where pigs were revered as symbols of good fortune. The oldest German piggy bank dates to the 13th century and was recovered during construction work in Thuringia. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. The earliest known use of pig bank in English is the 1903 book, An American Girl in Mexico, which describes them as a Mexican souvenir. In Mexico, picky banks are called al alcancia. also don't know if I pronounced that right, I'm sorry. <laughs> a term originating from Andalusian Arabic. So in other words, it's not totally clear where the concept of a piggy bank came from, but it was being used, like the term piggy bank was being used uh, as early as the 1940s. Hmm. That's really interesting because I, I personally collect piggy banks. I really oh, like really? them. <laughs> They're just cute. I'm like, whether or not I have money to put in them is a different story. <laughs> so in the art and making of the animated film, it says, I thought of his surface as the sort of stuff you see in card store gift items that with that unfired clay look, he's extremely basic in design in every way. And that's a quote from Eben Otsby, who did... Um, who did like some of the texture work on both Ham and like Bo Peep? Because it was talking about like the difference in uh, in texturing and in lighting, both of them, because they're both made out of like sort of similar uh, similar material. Yeah, yeah. I think for Ham. I kind of always thought he was like a vinyl because he oh. goes through so much because you see him like not so much falling, but like being tousled about. And it's like if it, he was a ceramic pig, he would have broken already. Yeah. I mean, this says. It says in that quote, it said un, unfired clay. Yeah. He like, probably he still be like. Technically breakable, but not not super fragile or anything. Right. He's probably made out of a thicker type of clay. He's a thick pig. <laughs> <laughs> and he's voiced by John Ratzenberger, who John is mostly known. Great. Yes. He is mostly known for his role as Cliff Clavin. Is that how you say that? Clavin? I think so. Oh. On Cheers, and as sort of Pixar's Lucky Charm, he's in every single Pixar movie. I've never seen Cheers. 
Cheers is funny. I think you would enjoy it. It's set in a bar, so it's got, like, bar humor, but a lot of the situations mm-hmm. are funny. Cliff is actually, I want to say he's a mailman, if I remember correctly. I haven't seen Cheers in a long time. I think so. I yes. think that's what his Wikipedia page mentioned. Yes, and he's, like, he tries to be a know-it-all, but everybody knows he's dumb, so they just go along with whatever he says, and he just has, like, really dumb information, and he's passing it off as true, and they're like, yeah, Cliff, whatever, just be quiet. <laughs> I mean, Ham is kind of a know-it-all, but he's not, he's not usually wrong, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think... They wanted to give him too much of Cliff's personality, but you do see a little bit of that character in Ham, and I like that, that they did that. I don't know if that was Mm -hmm. intentional or it was already, like, you know, just something they thought of, and then they're like, oh, hey, by the way, this person's being Ham. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it was somewhat intentional. I also think, like, um, in that earlier quote I read where... Uh, I talked about how like Ham was kind of like he he's up on he's always up on that shelf like kind of looking down on everybody and like seeing everything that goes on, mm-hmm. which is part of why he's kind of he's kind of a know it all. He's the one who spends the time like reading the car the car manual in the Pizza Planet <laughs> truck. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I think he tries to be a little bit of a leader not so much like Woody's role but he's like well I kind of like the advisor I would say Mm -hmm. so I think that's the kind of role that he has but like a wisecracking advisor (laughs) yeah and he's been or John Ratzenberger has been in literally I'm pretty sure every single Pixar movie Yes, he's like one of the my favorite Easter eggs to find. Once I hear his voice, I'm like, there he is. So uh, at 50 seconds, Potato Head yells, you uncultured swine, what are you looking at, you hockey puck? <laughs> and then the camera follows him as he's walking off to the side and reveals a squeaky hockey puck toy with arms and legs that looks at the camera and shrugs. <laughs> now watching that part... I feel like the little hockey puck is on the office and he looks at the camera and he's just, what did I do? (laughs) That's his gym moment. (laughs) Yes, that is the hockey puck's gym moment. Even though he doesn't have eyes, he he still looks at the camera. He looks really disappointed for being a faceless hockey puck. He looks like, what did I do, man? (laughs) Does he appear anywhere else in this movie like any crowd shots or anything i don't think so i haven't seen him anywhere else or something maybe in like one more one more shot but i don't think i've ever seen him anywhere else i feel like he might be in the staff meeting scene or something probably i don't know i don't pay too much attention to the crowd (laughs) the the lines you uncultured swine, and what are you looking at, your hockey puck, are actually lines that Don Rickles uh, would use in his stand-up and in his roast. That, like, those were, I guess he was sort of famous for, for those lines. <laughs> That's so great. I like that they actually used that because of Don Rickles. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's like a nice little like, okay, we'll add that in for you. Yeah. That's a fun little reference. Mm-hmm. At 57 seconds, there's another shot of Andy's room with all the toys walking around. What he is sitting on the edge of the bed looking out at all of them. My favorite thing in this shot is off to the left side next to Andy's dresser. You can see Mr. Spell and the C and say are over there like talking to each other. And if you listen closely, you can hear like the toy, uh, the C and say toy recording saying, this is a pig. <laughs> I never noticed that. I didn't either until until uh, watching this clip. And I was like, I want to know what Mr. Spell and say are talking about. It. Especially, what does a pig have to do with it? Exactly. Like, what? I, I need to know the context of that conversation now. I'm very curious now. <laughs> Like, I want a whole buddy movie with Mr. Spill and C and Say. I know. That would be. See, they can be doing stuff like this at Pixar for their Pixar shorts. I mean, I appreciate that they're doing all this stuff like the Pixar popcorn and now like the monsters at work. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you need to be doing dumb little clips of these types of things. Stuff that people actually <laughs> want to see. <laughs> Or at least that we want to see. I don't at know. I want to see. Like, I'll pay you money. <laughs> Just make it for me. <laughs> maybe they'll. Maybe someone at Pixar will listen to this and they'll be like, "That's a great idea. Let's make a movie all about Mr. Spell and C and C." <laughs> they need to. And if this happens, we need royalties. <laughs> there's also during this shot that there's a car that goes down the Hot Wheels track and then just flies off. <laughs> I've seen that car. <laughs> I'm always like, man, what's up with these toys? They're going all wild now that Andy's gone. Yeah, I'm like, the little tykes, I don't know what they're doing. They're just driving around everywhere. They're going crazy. Getting in people's way. I'm like, you're in a fire truck. And they've got their siren on for for no reason. I know. I'm like, where's the fire? fire There's no, you know, there's no other toy in distress. They're just... Going hog wild. RC is kind of doing the same thing. And he almost hits uh, the snake before (laughs) a robot grabs him and pulls him back. These toys are ruthless. I don't know what's going on in that room that everyone is just like driving all over the place. I know. And they think Sid's room is bad. Jeez. They're crazy. The 59 seconds, it cuts to Woody sitting on the bed talking to Sarge, who is standing on Andy's nightstand. Woody casually says, "Uh, hey, Sarge, have you seen Slinky? And Sarge yells, sir, no, sir, and salutes. Woody kind of chuckles chuckles, and he says, okay, thank you, at ease, and salutes, salutes, I can't talk, (laughs) salutes Sarge. I figured we could talk about Sarge now, but it's probably better to wait until the actual scene, scene with them. Yeah, yeah the I Green think Army that would men. be better. Yeah. So Woody jumps off the bed and yells for Slinky. And I was like, I, I was watching this and I was like, that's a long jump for Woody, it seems like. 
I feel like, like Woody's like sixteen inches tall or something, and he's like jumping down all the way from the That's top. That's like of jumping Andy's from bed. a two-story building. Like, imagine if we were to jump from a two-story building, <laughs> and my legs would be broken. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I mean, I guess he's used to doing it. He doesn't. I mean, how else would he get down other than climbing down the the bedspread? I don't know. I mean, Andy is shooting him around with the the recliner thing. So he's used to being tossed about. And if he falls from the bed, oh, well, that's not too bad because he just got flung like 30 minutes ago. (laughs) And he's got he's got no bones. So. This is true. This is very useful when you have no bones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just a boneless entity over there. I mean, I wish I could be boneless sometimes. (laughs) If you look under the bed, you can see there's a box. Twister's a fun game. Twister under there. Yeah. Slinky appears from under the bed, pushing a, a checkerboard with checkers on it, like he's just been under there getting it ready this whole time. <laughs> he says, right here, Woody, and I'm red this time. Uh, so Slinky Dog actually has a pretty interesting history, at least I think. Do Slinky, Dog, Slinky Dog was, was designed by a woman named Helen Herrick Mount... Uh, Malzed, Malzed, I'm not sure. Uh, she came up with the idea for Slinky Dog, and she sent her ideas to James Industries, which was the company that made like the original Slinky. She just sent like a letter with her ideas and her drawings for like Slinky pull toys, mm-hmm. and the company liked her ideas so much. That they made the Slinky Dog and the Slinky Train in 1952. Hmm, that is interesting. Yeah, and she got paid royalties every year, like sixty or seventy thousand dollars a year. That's pretty um, by, good for the time. That's really good. Yeah, for the fifties. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of money now, but even like for the fifties, that was a lot of money. Yes. By 1995, Slinky Dog had been discontinued for several years. James Industries liked Pixar's redesign of Slinky so much that even Betty James, the wife of the creator of the original Slinky, said the earlier Slinky Dog wasn't nearly as cute as this one. (laughs) They began producing Slinky Dog again with the new Toy Story design, and their run of 825,000 Slinky Dogs sold out before Christmas 1995. And that's all from Wikipedia, by the way. Hmm. I remember I had a slinky dog, and I think I did get it for Christmas, too. I loved that little dog. Slinky as a character, um, according to the book, again, the art and uh, the art and making of the animated feature. The sacred text. Yes. <laughs> I wonder how many times I'm going to have to say the name of that book. We will just refer to it from now on as the sacred texts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He was originally going to be a more skittish dog, but that didn't work out because they already had Rex. So it was like they had two of the same character almost. And uh, it says 
it took us a while to find Slinky's defining trait, which is not that he's a yes man, says Bonnie Arnold. It's that he needs somebody to look up to. He's just a happy-go-lucky simpleton, very loyal, and that's why it's so dramatic when he turns against Woody at the window. At that point, even he can't deny that what he really has done buzz wrong. Yeah, that's really sad because there are actually people like that that need somebody to look up to. And even Mm -hmm. when they do wrong, they try to deny it. So I'm glad they at least showed that in the movie. Like he realized like, okay, that was bad. So he's just like, and time to close the window. (laughs) Yeah. I think part of it too is that like Slinky, I mean, he's a dog. So he's kind and dogs of, are very loyal. Supposed to be like man's best friend, you know. Mm-hmm. And in the audio commentary, they said that Slinky was actually the last character to be cast, and they ended up remodeling him because of Jim Varney's voice, because they were trying to move away from like the skittish, uh, more skittish version of the character. Mm-hmm. And um, they thought of. They thought who would be good for like something completely different than that. And they thought of Jim Varney. And then when they got him, they ended up uh, redesigning him to make him look less like a little. I think he was originally designed like a little, almost like a terrier puppy. Okay. But then they, they redesigned him to match the voice better. Mm-hmm. Jim Varney is a fun character, quote unquote. He's, mm-hmm. you know... Just his mannerisms and, of course, him as Ernest. It's, he's just mm-hmm. great. Speaking of that, Jim Varney was best known for playing the character Ernest P. Worrell in commercials, the TV show Hey Vern, It's Ernest, and a long list of films. I, haven't, I have not seen any, anything with that character. Oh, I gosh. Fix that. He's funny. It's, it's ridiculous. But it's funny. And he unfortunately also passed away in the year 2000 at the age of 50, which is very sad. I was very sad when I heard that. I was like, man, I want to say you said 2000, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was 10. So that was devastating to me, even as a 10-year-old. <laughs> So Woody says, no, Slink, and and Slink says, oh, well, all right, you can be red if you want. Uh, Not now, Slink, Woody whispers, I got some bad news. Bad news? Woody shushes him, and everyone stops and stares at them. I had a coworker do this to me, and I thought of this exact scene. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to whisper something to her, and I says, now don't say anything, and don't raise your voice. So I told her, and the first thing that comes out of her mouth, she's like, what? Like really loud. And I'm, just, <laughs> I'm like, do I have to have a group meeting now? <laughs> oh boy. Um, I noticed that like right before everyone like stares at them, like you can see that Bo and Lenny are talking to each other, like having some kind of conversation. Oh, I never noticed that. I want to know what they're talking about. I know. All these conversations we need to butt into. (laughs) All of these like little toy friendships that we don't really actually get to see uh, outside of 
these like little tiny moments. I know. I want to know everybody's relationship with each other. Like the way they did Lamp Life, how mm-hmm. they showed Bo's life in between the movies. I want to see everybody's little community in Andy's room and see how everyone yeah. like reacts to one another and what their relationships are, who gets along with who. Mm-hmm. I was thinking because they have like a staff meeting, they they should do like a, a Toy Story office parody or something. See, I think that would be great. Me personally, I unironically like The Office. I love The Office. I, I think it's great. So I think that would be a fun type of like parody, like you said, Wait. just to have, you know, random things happen and they're all looking at the camera like did this seriously just happen <laughs> the hockey puck is looking at the, the hockey <laughs> puck we need to bring back the puck i'm gonna make that a, a twitter hashtag bring back the puck 2024 <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll start that on our twitter yes we need to <laughs> woody could be michael scott but then i also feel like woody could Woody and Buzz would kind of be like uh, the Jim and Dwight yes. in their rivalry. In the beginning, I feel like Buzz is more like Jim and Woody's like Dwight. <laughs> See, I was almost going to say the opposite because Woody is kind of like the everyman kind of guy that well, you're supposed true. to meet to. And then in Buzz general, is like yeah. this weirdo who thinks he's a space ranger (laughs) this is true he probably has a a beet farm too what a weirdo (laughs) (laughs) and he can do karate chop i'm sure dwight does karate probably more than likely (laughs) well this is true also because woody and Bo could be like jim and pam yeah i was gonna say Bo. Bo should be pam and then there's not really anyone else to fill the girls' roles. So wait, does that mean who's who's uh Toby? Oh, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe Slinky could be Toby. I don't know. But I feel like nobody really hates him. Maybe the hockey puck can be Toby. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head is Stanley, though. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> I love Stanley. He's my favorite. <laughs> He's great. But back to the actual movie. Back to the show. What he says, just gather everyone up for a staff meeting and be happy. Got it. Be happy. Ha <laughs> ha. I Which love the great. way Slinky laughs. He just, like, forces the laugh out. Over the top. I also love Woody's fake smile when he's telling Slinky to gather everyone up. Yes. (laughs) He's doing the like. (laughs) Kind of like an apprehensive smile. Yeah. I was like his, his teeth are smiling, but his eyes aren't doing anything. Yes. His eyes still look serious. (laughs) Which is slightly alarming. Yes. (laughs) I also thought the sound of 
Slinky's coils, like as he's walking off, actually kind of sounds like like the jingling sound like a dog's collar would make when it walks. A little bit, yeah. I wonder if that was intentional or not. I don't know. So Woody yells, staff meeting everybody as he walks past Robot and Snake, who are hiding under the bed. He says, Snake, Robot, podium duty. The snake tries to get away, but the robot makes a little hey sound, grabs him, and pulls him out from under the bed. Which I love violently snake does so. Yeah. Speaking of duos that we want to see more from, I want to see a Snake and Robot movie. Yes, that would be a fun, even just like a short three-minute clip or something. I just, I want to see everybody's relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm also wondering, where did the two of them come from? Because we literally just saw a shot of that same spot like a minute ago when Slinky came out from under the bed, and there was nothing there. They were eavesdropping. <laughs> they just appeared out of nowhere, it seems like. Yeah, I know, for real. They weren't there. Because weren't they... Where was the snake and the robot when RC almost ran them over? I think they were, like, under Molly's crib, like, in front of Andy's uh, building boxes. Okay. That drawn on, I think. Um, I noticed that, like, the robot... Kind of sounds like he's saying hey, and then he makes another sound that kind of sort of sounds like he's maybe saying don't leave. I like listened to it closely over and over again, and it sounded like he was saying don't leave, what's up? But it also could just be like random robot sounds. But Mm -hmm. then the voice, because he has an actual line later when he says, Mr. Lightyear wants more tape. And it sounds nothing like that little voice. He sounds totally different. So I, but it definitely sounds like he's saying, hey, when he grabs the robot. Yeah. I mean, it could just be a random, random noises. I don't know. It Hmm. probably is. At one minute, 30 seconds, Woody walks past Etch-A-Sketch. And while their backs are turned to each other, he says, hey, Etch, draw. They turn toward each other and Woody makes a gun with his hand. And I, I guess he like pretends to load it while Etch quickly draws a picture of a gun on his on his screen. Woody pretends to be shot and says, Don't got me again. Etch, you've been working on that draw. And then Etch nods and Woody says, Fastest knobs in the West. I like that scene. That's a really cute scene. Yeah, I like Woody pretending to be shot is adorable for some reason. <laughs> it's cute when you die. <laughs> <laughs> Not cute that he's dying, but like cute that, uh, that he's like playing. I guess playing, playing along, along with edge. the edge of sketch. <laughs> yeah, that is cute. I do like that he is like friendly and personable to everybody, and I think that's why he's also kind of like the leader of the group because he gets along with everyone, not just because Andy yeah. plays with him more. But because he actually mm-hmm. does look out for all the other toys. I think Potato Head is really the only one who doesn't like him. It seems Mr. Like. Potato Head does whatever the heck he wants. I don't think he likes anybody except for maybe Ham. And even then, he called him an uncultured swine. So. That's true. <laughs> so while Etch is drawing, you can see 
Candyland and Twister, which we already talked about under Andy's bed. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also see the the baseball bat and ball that we talked about earlier next in the corner next to the toy box. There's also in this scene you can see like the books and the games on the on the shelf. But I think we'll probably just talk about those during the the staff meeting scene. Yeah, you can see them better at that time. Yeah. So etch a sketch was invented in the late fifties by a man named Andre Cas I I'm I don't know how if that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> and uh, there's an interesting little tidbit on Wikipedia where it says in 1995, the Etch-A-Sketch toy was featured in the 1995 Disney Pixar animated film Toy Story in a scene where a sentient one performs a quick draw duel with Sheriff Woody. This 12-second feature had been enough to give a significant sales boost, requiring the production line to work overtime to meet demand. By 1999, the company had again fallen into severe financial trouble from canceled orders of various products, reaching a point where the solvency of the company was in question. However, the company recovered with the prudent decision to agree to again have an Etch-A-Sketch appear in an animated feature film, this time in in 1999 sequel Toy Story 2. This scene featured an Etch-A-Sketch being used to present sketches related to the investigation of Sheriff Woody uh, Sheriff Woody's kidnapping by Al McWiggin, the toy collector and the owner of Al's toy barn. At 45 seconds, the scene in question was much longer than the scene in the original movie. The exposure from the highly successful Pixar movie resulted in sales of the toy increasing by 20% and ensured the survival of the company. Which is pretty crazy that just like being in the movie saved the toy and the company. That's really crazy because it's not even that long. It's not even a full minute. It's just 45 mm-hmm. seconds and it's not even doing anything. They're just using it <laughs> as a pro. It's not doing again, like another, you know, it's not being alive. It's just being used. I mean, I guess technically, technically, well, it is alive. It's like, it is alive on, because so. then they edit the face of Al and put him in it chicken soup but as far as it like walking around which i also like the way they animated that how it's just like clunky and just waddling around around. (laughs) but i thought that i thought that was interesting that like literally toy story saved the toy and the company that is really cool i like that little tidbit of information uh, at 142, Slinky walks past, see and say Mr. Spell, some little tykes, Mr. Potato Head, and Rocky, and says, oh, I got a staff meeting, you guys. Come on, let's go. I was wondering in this shot, Rocky is holding RC's remote control, and mm-hmm. he's not really doing anything with it. He's like, he's looking at it and holding it kind of weird, and he's like patting it, like almost almost in like kind of a fond like oh wait (laughs) like what are you doing (laughs) i mean it is rocky we're talking about he's kind of like a a head empty no thoughts kind of guy he's a himbo (laughs) he's a himbo as much as i love him i'm like he's not all there up in the head he's literally just plastic in the head (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
After that, it cuts to Weddy, who is looking for something and saying, now where is that? While Snake pushes a container of Tinker Toys to the podium, or for the podium, and Robot gets some blocks. Weddy finds what he was looking for and walks over to it, saying, hey, who moved my doodle pad way over here? And then Rex jumps out and roars at him. I love Rex. I love that he's, like, supposed to be one of the scariest things that's ever lived on planet earth and he's just the sweetest little scared dinosaur <laughs> yeah uh, Woody's doodle pad has like a cute little cartoon cowboy design on it with the cowboy saying draw and on the back uh in a later shot you can see on the back the cowboy is riding on a horse in a desert scene and it says doodle roundup and I was wondering, like, is this a pad of paper or is it some kind of other, like, drawing pad? Because it almost looks, I think it's, like, there's a clear top. Sheet yeah. I, like, yeah, because he pulled, later, he, when he's looking at his notes, he pulls up the top sheet and it's, like, clear, isn't it? Yes, I think what it is, it's one of those ones that you would draw on that clear top and it would mark on it. And on the bottom, it's got a, just, like, a plastic so that when you draw on it, it adheres the top part and it makes it look like a dark mark. But then when you lift it up, it erases everything. So it's like something that's you what, can redraw on. Okay, that's what I was wondering about. Because I was like, how is Andy not finding the stuff that he writes down? <laughs> does he just like try to throw it away? And if so, how does Andy not notice that there's like pages missing? <laughs> Right? No, I think that's what it is. And that's really smart of them to do that because yeah. you would think like, well, if he's writing on stuff, if Woody is writing his notes, Andy's going to find it eventually. And he's mm -hmm. going to be like, I don't remember writing this down. It doesn't make any sense. He's talking about toy meetings. It's like, why? Why would I have been writing about moving buddies? <laughs> exactly. And then my birthday, why would I write my birthday is in like this many days and stuff like that. So it's really smart of them that they did that because with that little peel, you just erase all of your notes. Speaking of what's written on the doodle pad, some of this I was able to make out on my own. Uh, by looking at Disney Disney Plus, but some of it, um, some of it I read on Pixar Wiki because it was blocked off. But it says meeting agenda one moving buddy question mark two plastic corrosion awareness meeting and then there's a star and then Mr. Spell's name and then three Andy's birthday party today and then four bubble wrap don't pop. <laughs> And I, I just wonder, when did he get a chance to add the fact that birthday Andy's birthday party was today to the agenda? Because he just learned that a minute ago, and he just found the doodle pad. Right? That's crazy. And then if it's, like, the second to the last one on the list, did he just spontaneously think of the bubble wrap one? What I was thinking is maybe the toys had gotten their hands on like some of the bubble wrap that they were using uh, to pack stuff up, stuff up for moving, and were and were popping it. So what he was having to tell them, no, don't pop the bubble wrap, right? 
And then I'm thinking the only toy that would actually need it would be Bo because she's technically not really a toy. Well, Ham too, but they're both technically yeah. not toys. But then, but then in the moving van, both of them are like roaming around freely, like they they're not wrapped in anything. Exactly. So I don't weird. get. You know the continuity of this movie. Now that I'm an adult. Looking back at it, there's so many <laughs> continuity flaws. <laughs> or just things that make you go, what? Yeah, Why don't they do things this way? Why wouldn't they wrap that make in, you in bubble wrap? Exactly. There's things that make you go, hmm. But at the same time, I'm like overflowing with nostalgia. So I'm like, I'll let it slide. Oh, I was also going to mention the handwriting on the doodle pad. It's like, it doesn't look like handwriting at all. It looks like a font that sort of looks like handwriting. <laughs> and it's very neat. I'm like, Woody would not have handwriting that neat. And I then, feel like Woody, Woody's handwriting would, I, I feel like Woody's handwriting would be pretty messy. Not just that. How do you handwrite when your hand is so tiny and a pencil so big? And you're writing like a little three-year-old trying to get their motor skills. I don't and know. <laughs> In the most nonchalant way possible, Woody says, oh, how you doing, Rex? <laughs> Rex stops roaring and asks, were you scared? Tell me honestly. Woody says, I was close to being scared that time. And then Rex says, I'm going for fearsome hint, and it cuts off there. <laughs> I feel so bad for Rex. I, ever since I was little, he's been one of my most favorites just because he's like one of these little characters that you just got to protect. <laughs> I I just love Woody's like total non-reaction to, to, to Rex trying to scare him. He's like, oh, hey, how you doing, Rex? He's probably done it 20 times that morning. So. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Rex, according to the sacred texts, <laughs> aka Toy Story, the art making of the animated feature, they made Rex because they wanted to have a plastic dinosaur because it seems like every kid has one. And I certainly, between me and my brothers, we had a bunch of dinosaurs. Oh, for sure. Me too. I had a ton of dinosaurs. There's a quote from... <laughs> John Lasseter, he said, we certainly have the ability to animate him with all the articulation a real beast would have, but he's a rigid plastic toy, so when his legs move, the, they only move around the given rotation points that are manufactured into him. When he turns his head, the whole head top rotates because there's a seam around his neck. As soon as he does that, the spray paint markings don't line up anymore, so he's as unconvincing to see as he is to hear. <laughs> And it talks about how um, they originally they had him doing more like action, but they discovered that just with his limited mobility, it was impossible. So a lot of it was impossible. So they had to give him like more punchlines and less action, which is kind of how he became um, one of the comic relief characters. That's great. I, you know, I'm glad they went that way with him because he's super cute. Yes, I just like that he he just 
wants so badly to be threatening, but he just he just can't. He's no, he's the least threatening toy in all of Andy's room. Yeah. <laughs> Even the little tykes might be more threatening than he is because they have a fire truck and they're going crazy just making circles. <laughs> yes. And he's voiced by Wallace Shawn. He's an actor who's who's been in things like My Dinner with Andre, The Princess Bride, Clueless, A Goofy Movie, The Incredibles, and many, many more. Yeah, he's a really good actor. I do like him, too. He's one of those voices that when you hear him, you're like, it's Wallace Shawn, or it's Rex. Yes. Like you he's got a very distinctive voice. Mm-hmm. He's great. He really is. I do like him. Yes. There's one more quote I wanted to read from from the sacred text. <laughs> it's from page 16. And it's a quote from John Lasseter again. It says, this bedroom is a little urban microcosm. It's a melting pot that isn't so melted. It's got toys of different plastics and colors and sizes and recommended age groups all doing their jobs together and living on top of one another so they can get a little testy. Which I thought was a good clip to read uh, or a good quote to read for this clip because you kind of see all of the toys zooming around doing their things and meet a lot of them for the first time. Yeah, and they're just living their life like the way you go out in society. People are doing their own thing. And, you know, some people may butt heads with each other, just like the way some toys butt heads with each other. But in the end, you're all part of a community. Mm-hmm. I guess, is there anything else we want to talk about from these two minutes? So far for me, I can't think of anything. I've thought of stuff for the next um, couple of minutes. But as far as this one, I mean, it's just getting ready for that meeting. So I'm good. Should we wrap it up? You should. Okay. Well, then thanks for listening and be sure to follow our social media and send us an email if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns. And if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. See you next time. Bye. Bye.